action. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Ravage Critics, joined once again by Obi. How are you doing, mate? I am jolly and merry and happy and all them things there. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not too bad. A bit congested, but I don't mm. think COVID, so good. Happy we hope belated, not. Happy belated Christmas. Um, Same to you. And whenever we end up putting this pod out, it's probably going to be a happy new year as well. So That's true. <laughs> this is I been... that, yeah. I'd say right. 2021 brings a bit more bit more joy than 2020. Bloody hope so, man. Because mm-hmm. I was trying to, you know, so on this pod, we're going to be looking back at the shows and films that came out in 2020 and look forward in more senses than one to what's coming out in 2021. Most of which is the stuff that didn't end up getting released this year. So it's, yep. uh, you know, depending on when the cinema's open, it's going to be a, a bumper, a bumper year, I think. Um, yeah. But this year has seemed to have gone, on the one hand, incredibly quickly, considering we've had 19 lockdowns and, you know, more tears than Ariana has left to cry. <laughs> so it's, but then on the other hand, when I was looking back at films that came out this year, I was like, no way did that come out this year. Yeah. So it's a weird one. It's been a, yeah, a pretty shit one all around, I think. But It's not been great. Uh, but I think we should uh, kick off with the you know, recent releases. Uh, I don't know if they'll make any of your top ones for this year, but... Um, you have seen Wonder Woman 84. Um, I have. I don't think you've properly... I don't think you just dusted it last time. Um, no. So, I mean, I will watch it eventually, but I am not super bothered. So if you want to go into detail, um, give us your thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Wonder Woman 1984, obviously, set in 1984. Um, it's... To give my overall opinion before i get into it um the film is fine um it's one of my least favorite dceu films um it feels quite uh childish not not childish but just like not serious if that makes sense not so like but it's not immature it's just not a serious film in comparison to like obviously wonder woman the first film where it was about world war one and stuff like that um this one is more about just like um, uh, what's the word? Like it's more probably it's quite like love. Uh, quite, it's quite romanticized, and it's about like um, not cheating in life, I guess. Which was like the message behind it, I suppose, is good. But just the way it was portrayed, I felt it was a bit cheesy, a bit corny, and just a bit like not serious. Um, so yeah, I think it's for me. It's I probably would have given it like a, maybe a six out of ten, five six out of ten. Um and yeah, it's one of my it's one that I'll probably won't rewatch anytime soon. And I have no desire to rewatch anytime soon. Okay. Um, so like there's cool elements in it, and I think if you're a Wonder Woman, if you are a Wonder Woman fan, like you read comics or you know, you've been like researching her and you watch the cartoons and whatnot, I think you there are certain aspects of this that you'll like. Um so like for example, um spoilers incoming for anyone who doesn't want to listen. Um she creates an invisible jet um, which is like a staple from like I think the cartoons and from the comics she's got like an invisible jet um, but the way she does it so she kind of just she just out of the, they're in the, her and uh, 
Steve, 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 yeah, are in the plane, and she kind of just says they need to get a, a, away from like a radar of someone, and she kind of just says, "Oh, my, my, my father or someone like that taught me this trick once where you can make things disappear, and I, but I've only done managed to be able to do it with a cup or something like that, and then she just man, manages to make the whole thing disappear, and then that's it, and then you never see it again. Oh. I, think, I suppose that's kind of like a little." I, think, I imagine that was kind of like a little wink or a little nod to people who have read the comics and they know that's like one of her one of her things. So I was like, okay, fine. Um, she, oh, oh, wait, actually, let me, let me, I'm going to write this down so I'll come back to it because I want to talk about this in a minute. Okay. Um, sorry. It's all right. Um, but yeah, so little things like that. And obviously just like right at the end, there's like a cameo from Linda Carr who played Wonder Woman, I think, in the TV show from time ago. Um, so obviously that's like little things, little bits of fan service here and there that obviously lend itself to the lore of Wonder Woman. So I was like, that's cool. Um, I, I didn't really care for some of them, but that, but it's cool. She uses her um, lasso a lot. I guess it's to me, I suppose it's similar to like Cap using his shield. He uses it a lot because that's his thing. So I didn't yeah. mind it. But the way she, she just used it a lot. And I was just like, Jesus, like, can you just like, fight or something like so what is what's like the plot i mean why so, is it why is it set in 1984 like who who's yeah. cheetah and you know okay so to answer your question why is this film set in 1984 i will say because the 80s had cool cool retro music and they had cool um a, a very distinct style of clothing other than that in my opinion, there was no reason for this film to be set in the eighties. It could easily be set in modern day, and there's no, there's no reason for it to to be twenty or thirty years before current. Excuse me, sorry. Current DCEU. Um, it doesn't make sense, in my opinion. I think they just did that for the aesthetic and not so it would lend itself to the actual story. Okay. Um, the sto- the the plot is basically um, Diana works at a uh, museum. Uh, she's like basically like an archaeologist. She like studies artifacts and stuff like that. This woman, um, Kristen Wiig's character, can't remember her name, apologies. Um, she's very like, she comes in, she's very awkward and very like, you know when, like, when, a, when a woman has glasses, they, in, in like um, in a traditional film, if a woman has glasses, automatically, yeah, she's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it is in this film. Oh, she's ugly, she's clumsy, no one pays attention to her, blah, blah, blah. She sees Diana, um, and she's like, oh my god, I want to be like her. She's so strong, she's so powerful. Da, 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 da. Ah, cool, whatever. And then um, they find this artifact that was robbed from a uh, jewelry store, and they think nothing of it. They think it's like cheap, whatever. Like it's not nothing important. Turns out it's like an ancient artifact with powers that grant you wishes. Um, but uh, Kristen Wiig's cheetah, before she's cheetah, obviously, she doesn't know this until like maybe halfway into the film. So while she's holding the thing, she just says to herself, oh, I wish I was more like Diana. She wakes up the next day. She's got, she, <laughs> she doesn't need her glasses anymore. She takes those off. She can wear high heels and everybody starts noticing her, saying how beautiful mm, she is. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Um, she's got powers. She's got super, like, super strength, blah, 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 blah. Then on the other side of that, you've got Pedro Pascal's character. Can't remember his name either, if I'm being honest. So apologies for that. Um, he's <laughs> no, like, hang on. Kristen Wiig plays Barbara Minerva and Pedro Pascal plays... Maxwell Lord. Yeah, Maxwell Lord. Um, so yeah, he's like a con man basically, um, and he's basically got like a like a Ponzi scheme where he's telling people to invest in oil and whatnot, and there's no oil in the places he's telling them to invest in. But he's saying, "Give me your money," blah blah blah. blah. 
people, some of one of his investors calls him a loser. He says, I'm not a loser, blah, blah, blah. He really takes that to heart. And um, he, we find out that he's been researching about this ancient artifact for wishes. And basically he tricks, he seduces um, Barbara into getting off her. And then he wishes to become the stone, basically. So he uh-huh. can then he can then grant wishes, but he but the way he does it is he's got to people have to have to say to him, I wish XYZ. Um, and then whatever wish it is, it will be fulfilled. But um with this stone, it's the kind of thing where like when you wish for something, it takes away something else, but you don't know what it's gonna take. So when Wonder Woman did it, Wonder Woman before um Maxwell Lord got it, she just had the thing. And I think she didn't actually say it, but in her mind, you know, when you kind of hear like music, you can just tell, tell she's thinking of something. So yeah. basically, I think she wished for Steve to be, come back into her life, um, which he does. And I have a problem with because somebody just pointed this out to me. Um, so Wonder Woman wishes for Steve to come back into her life. Steve Trevor comes back. He comes back in the form of a different man. So to everyone else, this random man looks like. Tom, Dick, and Harry, but when Wonder Woman looks at him, she sees Steve, and it's got it's basically Steve's Steve's essence, Steve's soul, right? Right. They they're together. They for a fair point in the film, they have sex, they do this, they do that, cool. But then someone said to me, someone tweeted this, and I was thinking, like, actually, you're making a bit of sense here. So, <laughs> in a world where we speak a lot about you know consent and stuff like that right this random man who appears later in the film as himself uh, this random man has been taken over by steve trevor's body and is in a romantic relationship with wonder woman through no will of his own and his body's been, <laughs> and his body's been used for whatever whatever we don't know what like, what sort of shit they get up to do you know what i mean and then, then, they, then like there's no and i was thinking like, if you did that for a woman would would there not be like a thing where like you know We'd be thinking about did this woman consent to this? Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. see why they couldn't have just brought Steve back as Steve. I don't know why they had to put him into someone else's body. They didn't really. Yeah. It doesn't really make it didn't really make sense to me. I felt I thought that was a bit weird, and I feel like if the roles were reversed, people would see that as quite strange. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be a bit of a weird contrivance. Like yeah. why? Yeah, like you said, why can't he just come back? So does he have all his memories and? Yeah, all his memories. Yeah. Um, and they know like obviously they, they know each other they still love each other and stuff like that so she's been super lonely for the past 70 years I guess I think um, so obviously when she when he comes back into her life she's proper like she's buzzing obviously little do we know that the thing that the that um, the stone has taken away from her is her powers so she starts to get weaker and weaker and weaker as the film goes on um, so at one point she's fighting Cheetah and Cheetah's fucking her up because Diana's like losing her powers. She can like bleed and shit. And basically, Steve says to her, "Like you have to let me go. You have to, you have to unfulfill, un- unwish me or whatever it is. I don't know. You have to unfulfill your wish so you can get your powers back and you can beat these people." Um, and they go back and forth. She's like, "I'm not going to do that." Da, 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 blah 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 blah. And then they have a final kiss. Then she unwishes it. Um, starts getting her powers back and she starts running. And I think you see this in the trailer. She's like running through the street and she's proper going through it, like running pretty, pretty fast. Looks much better in the trailer than it does in the film. I was really disappointed by that. Um, yeah. So the Maxwell Lord is running around getting people to, tricking people into um, giving him, uh, into wishing for stuff. 
but when he wishes for it, he will then um, say, okay, and in exchange, I'm going to take from you, blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to take all your money. I'm going to take all your, uh, your company. I'm going to, he uh, tricks the president into getting control of um, some satellites and shit like that. So he uses the satellites to reach all these people around the world and uh, say, yeah, give me your wishes so then I can take all this stuff from you kind of thing. And then he does that. Jesus. And then he does that. Um, and then at this point, him and Cheetah are in cahoots because Cheetah wants, doesn't want to unwish herself. She wants to stay as, as the person she is. But with her, um, as she gets stronger and more powerful, she starts to lose her humanity. So she was a really nice person before. Um, and then as the film goes on, she becomes meaner and meaner, doesn't really give a shit about people, starts beating people up. Um, her and Wonder Woman have a fight. Uh, Wonder Woman has like this new armor that we see in the trailer. She, she fights him with that. Uh, Wonder Woman beats her eventually. And then we get to the final bit where basically Wonder Woman doesn't fight Maxwell Lord because obviously he's not powerful or anything. She just does like uh, a big old speech convincing everyone who's tuned into this broadcast to unfulfill their wish um, because you shouldn't cheat at life. You know, you should um, you should get what you deserve kind of thing. Get was and like not take shortcuts, blah, 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 blah. And everybody does that. And Maxwell Lord sees his son who is wishing for his dad to come back because with all these wishes happening, the world's turned into chaos and his son's scared. And then he, he says, I unfulfilled my wish or whatever. And then he runs back to his son and sees his son and blah, 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 blah. And then the film pretty, pretty much ends. What, um, does, what does the, the wish stone take away from Maxwell Lord then? His uh, health. He was like dying basically um, because of what the stone was doing to his body. So, but then in return, he was, when he was granted people's wishes, he was taking like their life force. Uh, in exchange of life energy and taking like the kidneys and shit um yeah it sounds like a, it could quite easily be the plot for like superman or something you know like the mm. stone is kryptonite and it's draining his powers that's that seems to be a common kind of plot point for really powerful superheroes like how yeah. do you weaken them where well, you just take their powers away with, mm. rather than putting someone up who can actually match them mm. yeah it's true um yeah, you're right. You're right. But like, that's that's the majority of the film. That's the, that's the film in in a in a in a nutshell. Um, and like I said, it's all right. Um, I didn't really like that. It's, the thing that Wonder Woman has with final acts, like I think the first two acts of the first Wonder Woman in 2017 are really good, and the third act is really bad. Same with this. Like the first the first two acts are all right, and I think the third act is just rubbish. Like she doesn't even she doesn't really she fights Chia obviously, but like. The way the film ended, so like Cheetah isn't Cheetah anymore. So the assumption is that 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 villain's done and done. Like, and she's one of Wonder Woman's main villains, I think, in the comics and stuff. And she's done and dusted now. And like Maxwell Lord just didn't suffer any. You see that Maxwell Lord went through his life, um, kind of being like the underdog. Then shows right at the end of the film, so you don't feel any sort of compassion for him. Um, he's like the underdog. He's been uh, his dad used to beat him, and um, people always thought of him as like a um, not whatever you're this and this and this so it was like a big thing to him to prove people wrong basically which he got desperate enough to use the stone to do that instead of you know trying to work for it on his off his own back um but they don't show that until like the last 10 minutes of the film which i think was a uh, stupid idea um this one's pretty long isn't it it's two and a half hours in fairness to me it didn't feel like two and a half hours um, so it was when when they did the final fight i was thinking okay we're going to see there's going to be a little bit more but it pretty much ended like after the the final her telling people to um, unwish them whatever they wished for. Um, 
so yeah, that's the only the, the the good thing about it. I think the score is very good. Um, I think Hans Zimmer did the score, and it doesn't feel like a two and a half hour film, in my opinion. I think are the two bonuses of the film. I think it goes pretty quick. Um, but the the in terms of how much I enjoyed it, I would say it's down there. To be fair, in terms of, like the ones that I enjoyed, I'm generally higher on the DCEU films than most. I would say, being a Marvel fanboy that I am. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's just a few things like so. What I was going to write down, a few things that bugged me. So the way this film, it doesn't. This film doesn't connect to. Like Patty Jenkins lied to us because she said, "Oh yeah, this film fits in more of Zack Zack Snyder's vision, Zack Snyder's style, style of the original Justice League." Fuck off, it does. Like this film does not <laughs> connect to the the wider DCEU in any way, shape, or form. This is a standalone film. Like if you want to put Wonder Woman in its own bracket and say it's and like if this is what we're doing with the DCEU now and say all these films are their own properties, they're not connected to wider stories. That's great. That's fine. You can do that, but don't lie and say. Yeah, it's it's fixing with Zack Snyder's vision because it doesn't. So like in this fucking um in this thing, um, Wonder Woman can fly. Wonder Woman has to fly, and Wonder Woman does not fly in Batman vs Superman. <laughs> and I was just like, well, that's just a complete and utter contradiction of of the character we saw in the film 2016. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, and then so that annoyed me. And then you've got the bit where so like there's one bit where which could have been potentially really interesting, where uh, Diana and Steve go to search um, about the stone, like where it comes from, and they talk about it coming from... Basically, they say every civilization that this stone has ended up in, that civilization has fallen and been destroyed, which is really cool, I think. And they don't, yeah. they don't really explore that too much. Um, they say that the stone, I think, originated in Egypt, ancient Egypt. Black Adam came from Egypt. You could have linked... You could have just put, linked the two of them together, such as like a little nugget, Nah, nothing. And like, even if you just gave a little one sentence, you could have said a picture in the book of like a Black Adam sign or I don't know, anything. And you, that would have been like really good to just connect. Let's just connect to the world a little bit. But nah, nothing there. And the world is, they make out in this film that, um, so like one, they make a really big point in the beginning of the film that Wonder Woman, nobody knows that Wonder, if Wonder Woman's actually a thing or not. She dashes out the cameras and whenever she's like, she's saving people, she'll make sure she's not seen but on, on video, obviously everyone who's there sees her. She um, saves a whole mall full of people. So obviously like hundreds of people probably seen her, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and then the whole world has gone to shit at, at three quarters into this film, right? But we see Bruce Wayne in 2016, Batman vs Superman, and no one fucking knows who Diana Prince is. I find that very, very hard to believe given all the shit that takes place in this film. I find that so hard to believe. <laughs> it, it creates inconsistencies, doesn't it? It does. It really does. That's the problem with setting these films before events of other films. It's sort of mm. like, okay, well, where's her armour? That armour wasn't seen in this. And, you know, like you said, that power she hasn't used and all of this stuff. And it's just sort of like, rather than answering questions, it just creates more. Um, one thing which I wanted to ask, um, and I've seen it on twitter so i don't know whether it's someone someone's like wish or if this actually happened but someone said that um does bruce wayne wish for his family back or was that just an idea no but i think i tweet i said that would have been such a sick tie-in 
to yeah. the wider DCEU and they don't even they don't give a shit about any of it. Oh, it's so annoying. It would have been such a good tie-in. That might make sense as to why it was set in 1984 then, couldn't it? Because yeah. I don't know how old Bruce was when his parents died, but you maybe like 11, so he could have been born in the 70s, which would mean that by the time he's Ben Affleck, he would be in his late 40s or, you know, early 50s. So that would make sense. And that would be so sick that, like, if Bruce... Yeah, if Bruce wishes that his family are alive again and somehow... You know, the the kind of flip side of that is, you know, what it takes away from him is his money or I don't know. But yeah, that would have been a... I'm gutted that's not actually true. Think, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that no one... Well, maybe they did think of it. Maybe they just thought it wasn't like a good idea. But I'm shocked that no one thought we can't just put... Like, it would have been... It could have been like even just 30 seconds. Like a 30 second little scene. And that would have been... And we would have been like, oh yeah, that's proper... Like, they would have got so much kudos if they if they did that. Yeah. And it just it strikes me that Patty Jenkins and I think Jeff Johns wrote this film as well. Um, Patty Jenkins wants this to be contained, wants Wonder Woman to be contained in her own separate entity, which is cool. But like I said a minute ago, it's not what you sold to us, mate. You know what I mean, yeah. I've been missold also, PPI. <laughs> also, Joker was set in the eighties, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they said they said to their. To their credit, they did say, I'm pretty sure that Joker is set in a different universe. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So, I'm not, so that one I don't mind too much. Okay. But yeah, the film is okay. One little thing as well, sorry, last thing. The the start of this film, the first five minutes of it, five, five minutes or so, like little Diana um, in Themyscira, she's like competing in some warrior games kind of thing. That whole sequence is sick. Um, I wish the whole film was like that, but it's not. But yeah, that, that little bit was great. Okay. And Gaggle Dot's pretty. So, you know, that's what's going Steve Trevor's handsome as well. <laughs> he looks really old in this, though, actually. Sorry, I just wanted to point out. He looks like, because the film was only fucking, what, three years ago? Wonder Woman? So, like, from then to then, obviously, and it's supposed to be, it should be instant for him. He shouldn't have aged a day. He looks very, very old. Not very old, but he looks a lot older than, you know, three years has passed since he filmed this and since he filmed the first <laughs> Not Shout out to him, though, because obviously, you know, he's great, but. Sorry. I was going to say, um, so Patty Jenkins has well, they've already confirmed Wonder Woman three. Um, mm-hmm. She also said she's got an idea for a fourth film. Okay. So if she wants to make Wonder Woman pretty much self-contained, self-sufficient, a few questions which you know you can answer in any order. Do you think that they'll all be set before um, Batman versus Superman, or you know when we first see um, Diana Prince in the quote unquote modern times? Um, do you uh, what progression does this film have then if it's not related to the DCEU doesn't tie in you know a sequel should progress the character or the world or something what in does it and if so in what way and lastly if Patty Jenkins continues this trend of having poor third acts is that a Patty Jenkins thing? And if so, do you fear for her Star Wars film? That's a good question. Um, so the first question was, do I, do I think all the films will be set before uh, Batman v Superman? Yeah. Uh, I think that depends very heavily on uh, what happens with Zack Snyder's Justice League. 
Like, I think if that turns out to be really good and they're like, okay, the Snyder versus back, then they're going to do it, said it afterwards, after that, I think. Um, if it bombs, um, then I think she'll just do her own thing. And I think it probably would be set, I imagine it would be set in modern day, but I think that it won't be connected to Justice League, Batman v Superman in any way, shape or form. Uh, and I don't mind that, as long as you tell a good story, and then that's fine. In terms of progression for the character, um, so I suppose we've seen she's got, she can fly now, she can, she got the invisible jet, um, you know, she can ride lightning and shit with the lasso of truth, so in terms of powers, her, her progression is, is coming up. Um, she's, I suppose she's moved past, you can always tell in this film that her not having Steve around was bothering her, um, so I suppose she's moved past that now. Um, so maybe she gets a new love interest. Maybe she gets like a little team around her or something like that to kind of like for avoid. I don't know. So maybe we see a progression in her supporting characters. So I wouldn't mind that. I love I love um, Chris Pine, but I wouldn't mind seeing somebody else in the next film. You know, either if it's a sidekick or if it's a love interest or you know, yeah, you know I want a sidekick. It doesn't always have to be a love interest. A sidekick or yeah. partner. Um, you know, that'd be cool. Um, and then what was the third question? Sorry. Uh, you know, do you do you see the weak third act as a Patty Jenkins oh. problem, and and does it make you fearful for her Star Wars? Oh, do I see? So, does it make me fearful for Star Wars? No, only because I feel like Star Wars excel at third acts. I I think, um, like visually and dramatically, I think they're all. For the for better or worse, they're all pretty good. So I could see um, the the Star Wars studios, the people who they have, but having positive influence in in return there. Um, I do I do worry about also like that's I mean like like visually and stuff like that. I do worry story wise a little bit. So like it's weird because the third act in Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman. In terms of story, um, I think isn't too bad. Um, just a little things that need tweaking here and there, maybe um, give us a bit of better hint of the, who the villain is. And then apart from that, they need they need miles better CGI. Um, the third act of this Wonder Woman eighty four, I think the CGI is fine, but the story, um, the way it ends, isn't the greatest. So if you could just mix the two together, <laughs> so maybe. <laughs> So maybe, I don't know, maybe she was focused on one so she didn't do the other in the first one and then vice versa in the second one. Maybe if we get like a little, I don't know, like a best of both worlds situation in this one. Um, in all honesty, I don't care that much about um, uh, CGI. I'm not a massive CGI guy. If it's good, then great. If it's shit, then whatever. As long as what's happening in the story makes sense and it's entertaining, then that's fine. Which I think she is capable of doing. Maybe get another writer on the on the script because I think Jeff Johns and her did the first one as well. Maybe get somebody else. I think Zack Snyder's really good at directing action sequences, so maybe if, maybe get him to do it. Um, Zack Snyder's obviously not great in terms of like plot, <laughs> but yeah. but action action sequences that's his bread and butter. So maybe I don't know. Maybe get someone his get some of his help doing that. That'd be good. That'd be interesting. Interesting collaboration. Um, and yeah, in terms of the Star Wars thing, I don't know. I feel like she would be more passionate about doing this Star Wars film justice because of um, everything has to do with her dad and, you know, 
her dad being an air pilot, making her dad proud. Da, 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 da. So I reckon she would. I reckon she put like her all into the Star Wars film. So I reckon that would be better than these Wonder Woman films that we've seen. Yeah, but then Wonder Woman was also like the first major female superhero adaptation, and you know, female director and everything. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, you haven't enticed me to watch it particularly. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I would say for you, like wait till it comes out on streaming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even if it, you know, especially now it doesn't kind of link within the DCEU, I don't feel like, you know, if I hadn't watched it, then I would be, like, missing loads of key information. Yeah. Yeah. You're not missing out on on much. So, yeah, people, if you're listening, stay at home because it's not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, people should stay at home anyway. So Um, it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that... um, they were releasing it on HBO Max in the States, but not here, obviously, because we don't have it. And then all the cinemas are pretty much shut in the South of England, at least. That's true. I think eventually we will get it on Sky, I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have access to Sky Cinema, so I'm not going to be paying even more money to just, yeah, you know, have access to a bunch of very average... Generally. Um, although I did, my mum did have a uh, month pass about earlier this month, and uh, I did binge a few like Blue Story and uh, The Hunt and um, Jane Silent Bob reboot, but uh, none of those would make it into my list for the <laughs> top films of 2020. Um, but other new release, which was released on streaming service on christmas day uh on disney plus is pixar's soul um which is a quirky film about a uh middle school music teacher called joe gardner uh voiced by jamie fox who is basically you know average joe stuck in a rut you know has a passion for jazz and music but the only you know by teaching middle school and most of them are not very good. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he plays... His dream is to play with Dorothea Williams, who's... I don't know if they're a real person in real life, but um, uh, they're a jazz musician, and um, he finally gets a chance and impresses her, and then uh, falls down a manhole and dies, and uh, then goes to, basically, I guess, some form of purgatory. Uh <laughs> The, the great beyond the great before um and eventually finds uh a soul called 22 who every soul has to find their purpose before they can get an earth pass and essentially be born um and 22 has not found their spark yet and uh then goes on a journey um to find you know trying to explore what they what number 22's spark might be um so i mean i i liked this film yeah um on lots of different levels yeah but for the first 20 minutes or so i was like where the hell is this film going (laughs) because you're like you, you know you're watching a story about a jazz musician and then he dies and i was like oh okay i mean i knew that was sort of the plot of it anyway mm. but then when they started going to the great beyond and the great before and 
like the, the characters that are like Richard Aoardi voices, the Jerry's. They I thought that they, was him. <laughs> they look like um children's drawings, which I think yeah. is probably you know the point. That's but cool, yeah. I was just I was watching. I was like, this did not go in the direction I thought it would. I thought it might be something about like coming to terms with death and exploring death, but not in the way of exploring life, which is essentially what it does. Mm. So yeah, I was watching it and, and there were some really funny moments, um, particularly when he goes into the body of the cat mm. and then he's like ranting and raving and then all other people can hear is just meowing. Um, yeah. And there's some nice scenes, like the barbershop scene. Um, yeah. Some touching moments. But, yeah, it was, it's such a... I don't know. I was just watching it. I was like, I would not have said that this was, a, you know, the way a Pixar film would go. But I did really enjoy it. But it was just yeah. one of those like very, very strange films. I, I agree with you, to be fair. I After 15, 20 minutes, I was kind of like, mm, am I going to like this? And by the end of it, I did really enjoy it. Um, but my my key takeaway of it was after I had to sleep and thought about it. <laughs> obviously, Pixar are kind of like known for making films made for children, but also can be watched by adults. Um, so I was watching this film, thinking like, I feel like the message of the film is quite deep, and I'm wondering if you're a child watching this, will you understand what the hell is going on and the meaning of the film? I don't think you would. And I'm not that mind because I'm not a child; I'm an adult. But um, I don't know, I think, because normally that's the staple, I think, I feel like this one is a lot more mature than, in terms of themes, than we're used to from Pixar. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, it's a lot, a lot deeper, um, which they seem to have gone to in the last kind of few years. Um, mm. Obviously you had like Inside Out, which was basically about like feelings. Um, that was a bit more palatable, I think, for a younger audience, but you also had like Coco was about death. Yep. Um, even like in a way, finding Dory is a bit kind of you know about identity and finding home and stuff. It's it's not it's not your Toy Stories and Monsters Inks, is it? It's it's mm. they've certainly seem to have, I don't know matured a bit. Not matured. Yeah. That's the wrong phrase. But I don't even. They're exploring even. a bit more kind of complex scenes. Yeah. yeah. Um. I think I agree with you. I don't think someone, you know, less than an adult, even someone who's in their like teens, would probably struggle to sort of comprehend what actually, you know, it is a thinker. You don't mm. just come out of it being like, oh yeah, that's what it was about. You know, you're sort mm. of like, oh, okay, so it's about life, and and sometimes the the spark to life is just life itself, rather than yeah. you know a particular passion. So. Um, yeah, I mean, an ambitious film, um, beautiful film in in the way in terms of like the colours and the way that yeah, in like the great before you've got kind of like the the soft kind of squishy kind of bouncy balls that represent the souls and and like we said the kind of childish looking drawings. So that is very much like how maybe a child would depict that um even the souls themselves being quite like you know ball like kind of uh it's like a non you know if someone dies and you think they're soul that's quite a, a nice way of 
uh, portraying that. But there was also some like pretty kind of dark bits, like the Lost Souls. Though that was like something out of <laughs> a Tim Burton sort of horror film. You know, I enjoyed I enjoyed that bit though. I did enjoy that bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like the way how they connected it to the guy who was working for like he said he was like a hedge fund account manager or something like that. Um, who's obviously like when you when you lose yourself in something and basically you forget like your reason for living and you're just focused on this one thing that that obsession clouds your soul and at times i thought that that was going to happen to joe because i thought he was this guy was so obsessed with jazz and playing jazz and uh playing with dorothea i thought his soul was going to become like clouded or whatever obviously he didn't but yeah yeah and i don't know if not that i would have preferred that but i thought this film would be more about jazz than it is I mean, yeah. there are a few scenes of jazz, but it's very much like bookends the film. Yeah. And I thought they would play more on the fact that his mum is a bit like, you know, you shouldn't um, pursue this dream. It was, you know, it doesn't pay the bills. And, you know, there, there was like hints that his father was a musician. But, you know, she said that, oh, this tailor paid the bills rather than him. I felt like that in itself was a story that I would have seen. Um, you know, I feel like you could have, um, they could have just like, obviously, you know, is what it is, but they could have maybe, you know how Coco, like it sprinkles a couple songs here and there, like a, like a Latin, like upbeat songs. Maybe you could have sprinkled a couple jazz songs in here and there in that, in the in-between of maybe trying to convince um, uh, 22 either that music is a spark or just trying to help her find her spark maybe could have put some music in there just like a little song saying oh what if this is your passion what if this is your passion blah blah blah, blah. Yeah. you know yeah it's not as if jamie fox can't sing yeah yeah exactly waste that's a waste that's a wasted opportunity i feel like they sort of wasted him anyway um i mean i saw something you you retweeted i think it was you retweeted it about a tendency for animated films featuring african-americans to you know to, to kind of disembody their voice in a sense yeah. yeah like it either goes into another body or another character yeah. and for large parts of this film you get tina fey voicing joe yeah <laughs> and he makes a point in the film of saying oh you sound like a middle-aged white woman so mm. to one point you're like yeah this is a film you know where the protagonist is an african-american who likes jazz you're like okay great that is a you know a good representation, um, important Pixar, and then for half the film, his voice by Tina Fey. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, yeah, they, it is weird. There is a problem with that, I think. But I don't know. It's just a, it's just it was a weird trend <laughs> that seems to be seems to be popping up in these films. But hopefully, they can move past it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, it was yeah. It's a and I feel like him being in the cat was was it some I don't know if it was something that necessarily was needed. I don't know. Mm. So obviously it was tied into the story in that um, Tina Fey became him and got to live life whatever, whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe they could have chosen a different avenue. What I that. thought was going to happen is that they both ended up in Joe's body, and that's what I had, thought as well. They would have to like fight over like. Who was the more dominant personality, or something? Yeah, that's um, why. That's why I thought. And do we um, ever actually see Twenty Two as a 
person. No, and that's that, that's something that I, I, it annoyed, not annoyed me, but I was like, oh, I kind of wanted to see where she ended up. But obviously she would have been a baby, I assume anyway. But I was thinking maybe they could have fast forward five years and she, Joe met this Lisa woman and maybe Tina Fey turned up to be Joe's daughter or something like that, I don't know. But obviously that didn't happen, so. Yeah. It was weird because I was watching it and I was like, would this have worked in the cinema? And I was like, I don't know. To me, it wasn't like a massively cinematic film. I don't know if that's because I watched it, you know, on TV rather than first of all in the cinema. But I don't know. It was, it was quite like, it did, there was magical elements to it. But I don't know. It wasn't quite for me on the same scale as like Coco. Um, I think with Coco as well, obviously, because there is like magical elements to it, because there's music in it, it does lend itself to being a more uh, like a grand production that you could watch on a big screen because, like, obviously, all the sounds coming from the speakers and music, like, it would, it's easier to engulf you in what's going on in, the sto- in that world, in that story. And obviously, that this takes a much more realistic approach in terms of everyone's just speaking in their normal voices and. You know, there's not really, obviously, apart from there being souls, there's no, like, magical elements to it. So it's a bit more grounded, I think. Yeah. The whole soul bit, <laughs> apart from jumping out of the soul. Apart from that, it's pretty grounded. Like, these are normal people, like, you know, normal lives. If it was released in cinemas, do you think it would make loads of money? Or do you think people would be a bit like, is this for kids? Is this um, In this, um, in a non-COVID world? Yeah, in a non if if it was released, you know, last year, yeah. everyone could go and see it. But do you think I it has think... the broad appeal that most other Pixar films? Have? Uh, I think I feel like this is a film that would have done well because of two things. So one of them being that um, the lead character was black, um, and black people tend to show out when <laughs> the lead character of the film is black. So. <laughs> For example, Black Panther, Get Out, etc. Um, and also, I think this film would have done well from word of mouth because, um, like, adults with kids would have seen this film. They would have been like, "Oh, okay, I whole lot quite enjoy this," and they would go and tell their friends who have kids, "Oh, you should go and see this film. Like, it's actually we can actually watch it," kind of thing. And I think that would have helped to spread, you know, information that <laughs> adults won't be bored out of their minds whilst their kids are enjoying this film. Mm. You know, well, it's a big improvement on Onward. I didn't mind Onward, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was... I agree. But I think there's elements of this film that I do... There's only a few, if you want to get into or not, but that I do really enjoy in terms of, like, um, him at, by the end of the film. Obviously, the obsession is, I need to do this thing because this is what I was born to do. This is what I was meant to do. This is my fate. It turns out that's actually just something that you really like, and it's not your purpose for living, your purpose of life is to just live and a lot of people get very um consumed into i have to do this i have to be this i have to do this by this time and you forget to just <laughs> chill the fuck out <laughs> lick a yeah. lollipop eat some pizza you know what <laughs> i mean watch the watch the watch the fucking the, the earwig thingies fall down from the fall down from the trees you know what i mean sometimes you just have to uh, for lack of a better phrase stop and smell the roses you know what i mean yeah, I think that's that's true. I like I like I like that message a lot. Yeah, I think that certainly with um, social media and stuff like that, 
there's a, there, you know you see people's achievements at certain kind of age milestones don't you and it's mm. like oh this person has this um at that age but i don't so i must be behind or yeah. you know this person has this job and earns that much so i need to achieve to that but it's like no you know if you haven't moved out by the time you're any age it doesn't matter like everyone's yeah everyone's path is different and yeah. you know yeah you just I don't know like you could be you, you will be a chartered accountant by the time you're in your you know early 30s but that doesn't mean that if someone else isn't then they're not going to be you know that, that there's something wrong with that you know it, it's yeah I think that message is, is important um I think that message is really important for adults. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really that important for kids because if you're a kid, you don't really give a shit. Like you just kids, kids do what this film's telling you to do. Kids just live. Like yeah. kids just do whatever the fuck they like. Um, if you're an adult, that's when you start getting obsessed, and you know you start getting into, uh, like you just said, like you get obsessed with milestones and being somewhere at some at a certain time in your life. And yeah, I think. I, I, I wonder if that was done intentionally, like we need to spend this message to adults or if they thought we need to spend this message to kids. Because I feel like kids don't keep too much pressure on themselves most of the time. No, it's the yeah? adults, unless, unless it? parents put pressure. Yeah, unless parents put pressure on them. Yeah, I think maybe that's also like double-handed. It's sort of like ten parents, you don't have to have achieved this, but also don't pressure your kids or, you know, believe in your kids' passions. Mm. Yeah, I would have yeah. liked to have seen more emphasis on the jazz, though. Um, I agree. I agree. You know, yeah, you played massively long. They yeah. could have oh, added boy. a few more minutes of footage with, mm. you know, focus on jazz. But yeah, yeah. I can't yeah, see I enjoyed, this being I enjoyed, franchise potential. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think so. Um, well, so they got that um, Colombian one coming out soon. I don't know when. Um, yeah. So I feel like that'll be that'll be more like I feel like we're back in the Coco direction in terms of like upbeat, vibrant, that like it'll drag you into a magical world kind of thing. So. Yeah, it's it's strange. If you're doing a film about African American jazz and there is very little jazz playing and like you said, no original songs. Mm. I don't know, yeah. It feels like a real missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, I agree. Because you've had, you know, recently you had um, La La Land, which was had a, like a jazz edge to it, but that was obviously featuring white actors. Mm. And yeah. Is Ma, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom about? I think it's about music, but I'm not sure what genre of music. Uh, I actually, I'm not sure actually, I haven't seen it yet, but I do want to watch it. Um, maybe we should put that on our next list of things to watch. Yeah, yeah. So, I do think I'm not sure what about genre music it is. I'm not. I don't know. I try and give it a quick Google, but yeah, that's obviously I think one of the final performances of Chadwick Boseman, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was his last one. Yeah, they said. I've heard good things about it. Same. I don't, I, I don't not sound like a prick, but I I, I hope that it's we've heard good things because it, he's actually really good and the film's really good, and not just because you know, unfortunately, he passed away. Yeah. Don't want to, you know. Yeah, it's about it's blues apparently. Okay, cool. So, I think blues. Did blues come before jazz or jazz come before blues? Don't know. I don't. Even, I don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> I, um, think blues, I think I think blues come before jazz actually. 
Yeah, yeah I've heard good things. Um, another August Wilson kind of, you know, based uh, piece, I guess, that they've adapted, um, yeah. produced by Denzel. We've got Viola Davis, who put on some pounds for this. Um, yeah, man. So, yeah, maybe some Oscar nominations coming up. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, we should. Oh, no, sorry. Next episode, we can. Or whenever the Academy Awards take place, we can talk about that. Yeah, I think they're, I think the uh, Golden Globes are going to be in February when they're normally in. Well, they've normally been, haven't they? So. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Yes, as and when the nominations come out. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I'm expecting, to be honest. <laughs> Margot Robbie, best actress for Harley Quinn. You know, <laughs> like, the bar is low. <laughs> it's very low. It's very, like, now, if you're, if you're a two-bit actor, now's the, your best chance yeah. to get yourself an, an award, mate. <laughs> if you're in a bang-average independent film, just get it released Sorry. somehow. Um, but it's probably a good segue then into 2020. Um, yeah. I mean, films that came out this year, The New Mutants, like, finally, but was it worth it? No. That's debatable. <laughs> um, <laughs> ones that surprised me that still came out this year, like Birds of Prey. How was that yeah. less than 12 months ago? Um Obviously, Tenet, which was like the biggest thing to be released yep. this side of March. Um, Trial of the Chicago 7, which is a Netflix film. Um, Rebecca, which you did not enjoy. <laughs> None of us did. Shit. Extraction. Do you remember that? The Russo Brothers. Oh, yeah. Well, about that. Aren't they doing a sequel? Yeah, I think so. Um, that was Chris Hemsworth just shoot them up in Bangladesh. Yeah, that was. All action, no plot. <laughs> yeah, no decent action, but yeah, very good action. I have a plot. Um, downhill. Didn't you go and see that? Downhill, downhill. That's the one with um. Will Ferrell. Yeah, that film was crap. Oh, <laughs> that film is rubbish. Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. And then, like I said, the hunt. Um, onward. Um. Yeah, I mean, unhinged. So, the reason I I wanted. To talk about the best piece of content this year was because if I was to pick a favourite film, it would be purely because it had to be a film, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know to me, I can't remember there being any outstanding films this year um, I may have forgotten some, but yeah, I, I'm not sure um what what would you say, you know, in terms of films that released this year? Um, like you say, I think in terms, just because, like, the, 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 it's slim pickings. The pickings are, are the slimmest I've ever experienced. Um, <laughs> so I would probably have it, mine would probably be Tenet. Because um, mm. I did enjoy it a lot, and I did go to see it twice. So, and I think it made me think as well. I, I quite enjoyed the fact that it made me think, like, actually think like what the fuck is going on like let's try and get like an accurate timeline of what's happening and i enjoy yeah. that, that aspect of it um a lot quite a lot actually and i think the concept just the concept of the film in general was quite inventive and and really interesting and i enjoyed uh robert pattinson and david, john david washington in the role 
And this made me quite a bit more confident that Robert Patterson would be a good Batman as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tenet for me is my favourite of this year. Of this year of not a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would I would say that. Tenet... Oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The gentleman come out this year. The gentleman. Did it? Yeah. Oh, okay. January, yes. Yeah, mine's. I oh, know. Look, it's twenty nineteen. I was saying twenty twenty on Wikipedia. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, I think sometimes it depends where it was released. Oh, so it says January first in the United Kingdom, twenty twenty. So does that count? Yeah, it does. Okay. I'm going, yeah. I'm going for the gentleman. That film's sick. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would probably have to agree with you. Yeah. I mean, Guy Ritchie back on form. Mm. He's. I mean, it's just. It's probably the, the film. Like you would just call it suave. Do you know what I mean? It's a suave film. Like, mm. um, Matthew McConaughey. Charlie Hunnam, Hugh Grant playing, you know, a different type of character, which I enjoyed. I think um, the pacing of that film is like excellent. Yeah. Like, keeps me, keeps you, like, it doesn't feel too rushed, but it just keeps you, I don't know, it just goes at a steady, steady pace, but it's fast paced, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I just, so you can I, keep I up. Yeah. I, I really, I really, really enjoyed that film. I thought it was and great. It's witty, it's got good, like, zingy kind of, um, uh, dialogue, um, lots of use of the c word, which you know, always good in my book. Yeah, I'd say love that. You love a bit, of, a bit of the c word. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen that film twice as well this year. So yeah, I would agree with you. But Tenet, or, yeah, for lots of different Tenet, reasons. Tenet. Um, I'm looking at the uh, highest grossing films of 2020, and um, the first, in there. yeah, so the, for the first time, um, China. Yeah, a, a non-Hollywood film was the highest-grossing. It was called The 800. Um, and then the highest-grossing Hollywood film this year was Bad Boys for Life. Jeez! Which yeah, made $426 million. Is uh, that's, that's decent. Wow. That is pretty decent, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, Sonic came out this year as well. Which... That's the film that surprised me. It's not as terrible as I thought it was going to be. It's okay. <laughs> Overtook Detective Pikachu as the highest-grossing video game. Uh Better than Detective Pikachu, in my opinion. I know you won't agree because you love Pikachu, but <laughs> so. But I'm not going. For, sorry, I'm quickly. I'm trying to make a note. I'm going through the films this year. My goodness, there have been some stinkers. Like, this has been a terrible year for film in okay, general. What what um Hold what minute. stinkers came out this year? Right, hold on. Let me go back to the top because mm. this, this is funny. Uh, uh, Okay, so Sonic for a start. This <laughs> is not good. The rhythm section, oh, the rhythm section is terrible. That's a uh, Blake, Live- Blake Lively. It's like a, it's kind of like a female. I think it's supposed to kind of be like a female Jason Bourne, James Bond type situation. And whoo, that film is a stinker. Why? Wow, what's so bad about it? It's just boring, and it's like it's. I think it's an hour and a half, and it just feels like it's about three hours. Uh, Blake Lively's not particularly good at it. Uh, I think Stanley K. Brown's in it actually, and, I really, and he's not great in it either. And I really like him, which is really annoying. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, oh God, it's just, I just did not care for it at all. The plot was boring, the action was boring. Ugh. Um, on, the, on the slightly related to Sterling K. Brown, but Justin Hartley was in The Hunt, wasn't he? He was in The Hunt, yeah, yeah. The yeah. beginning of that film was so mad. Mad, it was mad. I was like, oh, there's so many famous people in this. And then I was like, this is like a Hunger Games type situation. And then just so quickly, everyone... I was like, I was like wow. who the fuck is the main character? Yeah. 
I was like, how have they approached? Like, they must be best mates of all these people or their agents. Because how are you phoning up, like, um, Emma Thompson being like... No, not Emma Thompson. What's her name? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Julie Roberts. Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts, that's it. Um, phoning her up being like, would you like to be in this film for one second and then die Literally. horribly? <laughs> if I was an actor, I'd probably be like, yeah, cast, cast me in that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a decent year for... Lots of gory action in terms of the hunt yeah. and uh, zombie land. I liked that. I liked that. <coughs> actually, did zombie uh, come out this year or was that last year? I think it. Well, I don't know actually. No, I'm not sure. Did Ready or Not come out this year? Oh, it might have been actually. I like that film as well. Oh, I wasn't that keen on it. That's um, not your sort of film. It's not really, but I think it's because it because it wasn't super like. It was kind of like a. I got like kind of like dark like a comedy vibe from it as well. It wasn't just straight, like, thriller, slasher. So this says just 2019. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I'm well out of them. Um, <laughs> Doolittle. That film's shit. <laughs> I literally fell asleep in that one. Um, sorry. Uh, that still made 250 mil, though. I'm so surprised. I'm so... I thought For Robert Downey Jr., for you to go from, you know, Marvel, like, one of the biggest franchises to doing that like fucking Jesus Christ um, it's, a, it's a massive step down obviously downhill like we were saying a minute ago that film was rubbish um, and yeah just a lot of something, stuff that I've seen like Onward for example is just unremarkable like mm. there's nothing that Bloodshot oh god that was rough um, <laughs> stuff that does, doesn't stand out to me at all like, and obviously now we get to April when everything started closing. So yeah, so yeah, it's not a great year, to be honest with you. We're very, very poor. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. So expanding it out to general content, then, um, what have been your highlights? Um, so my highlights have been so I've got so obviously <laughs> film my films. It was like. Uh, Tenet, The Gentleman, Bad Boys for Life, um, which we've talked about on this pod before. Content, um, so like I'm expanding to TV now. Um, my top three were the MJ documentary, um, The Last Dance, yeah, which feels like it came out ages ago. Oh my god, yeah, because I, I watched like it a lot of like a lot longer after you and Chris had, yeah, and I still finished it months ago. Like, yeah, and and it, to me. It was, it, it, you know, it stands as a good documentary because I'm not hugely into basketball, but I was engaged throughout that whole documentary. And it's not too, I mean, obviously it's about basketball, but it's more about kind of Michael Jordan and and the team in terms of like them winning the three peak. Yeah. Um, which to me it was like a story of achievement rather than necessarily basketball achievement i mean obviously again it sounds stupid because it is but, but no, to me yeah, it was absolutely. like transcended yeah. just the sport of basketball yeah and it went to like the actual character not the characters but like <laughs> and their mental and like them their mental state and how they approach how they approach the game rather than focusing on the game itself yeah so. and i was getting really pissed off at um whoever the short fat man is that was in charge of oh the... uh jerry kraus yeah because i was like why are you trying to break up the Dream team, man. Like <laughs> the thing is, like that's, that's that. That was we're gonna get into it for a second, but that's like that's his job. You have to, you know how like um, if 
you're a stock trader, for example, you might sell off a stock when not when everyone else is saying, "Are you nuts? Like, why, why are you doing that for?" But then two months down the line, he'll be like, "Oh yeah, I told you so." So like he could he could trade a couple of players, do this, do that, and then you know six months from now, Michael Jordan breaks his leg or fucks up his knee, and Scottie Pippen's not the same, and this new guy that he drafted or he traded for is really good. Like it's all about gambling, really. Like you just have to hope that you make the right one. And I feel like he was always trying to do that. But his problem was that he just wanted credit for everything. And he didn't want to just be behind the scenes. He wanted to be front and centre. So he was a little bitch. <laughs> Am I right in thinking that the Bulls haven't really done anything? Of oh, yeah, they've been shit. Yeah, ever since, ever, since, ever since Michael Jordan left, they've been really very, very underwhelming. Very <laughs> underwhelming. Uh, hmm. But at least they'll have those six championships. Um, yeah, so that was that. that. I really enjoyed that documentary. That was really good. Um, second for me, um, it's not an order, by the way, sorry, um, is Cobra Kai, which okay. I think started 20, I want to say 2018. I could be wrong, though. And I think 2019 was season two. And I think 2020, they put it on. Um, 2020, they put it on Netflix. Um, and like I say, like I've talked about this on the pod before. It's a great continuation of the story. Uh, the characters are engaging. The uh, fight scenes are pretty cool as well. It's got a little bit of teen angst, which I like. A bit of teen drama, <laughs> you know. Bad. So, yeah. Um, that's another one. I mean, season three coming out, I think, on New Year's Day. 2021, yeah, I think so. Um, did you ever continue watching Lovecraft Country? No. Do you know what? It's a, it's a weird one for me because... I'm enjoying the characters in that and I'm enjoying how they interact with each other. But it's a bit too weird for me. It's just a bit like there's a bit too much going on. Like there's loads of magic and like fucking, I don't know, aliens and ghosts <laughs> and ghouls and all sorts of stuff. And I'm just like, it's a bit, it's a bit much. I think I will come back to it at some point because um, I'm halfway, I, I have invested five hours into it. So I would like to see how season one finishes. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, it's been put on the back burner. I think. Fair enough. Did you start watching it? Or no? no, I was sort of waiting for your recommendation. Um, oh, okay. Or not? Because again, it's on like Sky Atlantic, isn't it? So um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not necessarily gonna, um, yeah, pay to watch it unless it's really good. Same with like Euphoria. Like I do want to watch that, but um, it's I don't. When I last had the pass, now TV pass, it wasn't on there. So. Uh. I think they've got a new season coming out soon as well. Okay, but that's what uh, that's a that's a very good show for you. I would I would recommend. I think you'd like it. Better uh, than Grand Army, then. It is better than Grand Grand Army. Is a rubbish version of not rubbish, but it's a less good version of for uh, you. Did you finish Grand Army? I haven't yet, but I will at some point. It was just like when we were watching that, and I may destroy you. I was a bit like, oh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a I lot. need something. I mean, I haven't finished. I may destroy you yet either, but I do again. Yeah. That's another. Have you? No, I haven't either. No. Oh, okay. Fuck me, Tiger King came out this year. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was um, pretty good. That was interesting. I, I, I watched 30 minutes of that. I said, nah. <laughs> <laughs> not my taste whatsoever. Like, I, I just did not care about that series. Um, what was I going to say? What were we talking about? Uh, oh, yeah. So, this isn't what on my best thing, but it's probably another one of um, things that surprised me, I suppose, of this year um, was a TV show called Warrior, um, which is basically about um, it's like set in, I would say, like Western times. Uh, so, like, I don't know, I don't really know, the 1800s, I think. 
um, in San Francisco, America. And basically, it's about um, the like a wave uh, Americans being over a wave of uh, people from China for cheap labor, basically. Um, and it's the start of well, the start slash um, in the middle of when Chinatown was first created in San Francisco, and it's got like the Chinese mafia, and like they've all got like different gangs in the mafia, and um, there's like politics involved in it as well, like between um, obviously these like racist white people, the mayor, the police, and how they deal with the people in Chinatown because obviously they all want to get the Chinese people out. Chinese people trying to settle and create their own businesses and get their own money. Um, and there's bear like fighting and shit. And, like at some point, it's very, very gruesome. Um, okay. Which I'm not super into, but sometimes like, it's like sometimes stuff happens and like my mouth is just open. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like some of the stuff that they do is fucking nuts. Um, and what yeah. what service is it on? It's on uh, Sky as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think there's two seasons of it out now, but I'm still on season one, episode seven, I think. But yeah, it's it's a good series. Um, I'm curious to see how how it goes from where I'm at at the minute and how. If, so like what I'm watching at the minute, I feel like it would it might struggle in the second season to continue on this trend because it might get maybe a bit repetitive. So I'm wondering if they switch it up in season two. But for now, I'm definitely enjoying what I'm watching. And there's this really cool thing as well that they do, sorry, just to round off, that, they, that I've never seen um, anyone else do really. So these, most of these people who come from China, they can't speak English, right? But, but what they do in the series is basically they'll show two people, two Chinese people speaking Chinese to each other and then there'll be like a little sound or whoosh and then the camera will pan around and then they're speaking English. So like we know that you know, white people can't understand them. To, to, to the white people in the series, they're speaking Chinese, but obviously to us, they're speaking English. But oh, okay. if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I quite like that. Because obviously, me, and some, obviously I know you sometimes, and me sometimes, we have a big deal with like, you know, when characters are speaking one language and they answer in another language, like that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it really pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. So I think this one, you just, you know that they're speaking, in the show, they're speaking Chinese, but obviously to us, they're speaking English because um, obviously it's, easy for us to understand <laughs> rather than okay. watching watching subtitles um yeah that's a up and that's a a little surprise show that i didn't expect to um to like but yeah it's good it's a good show and my final uh bit of content that i've enjoyed much this 2020 and i know you have only missed as well i assume is the mandalorian yes yeah i was wondering when that was going to make an appearance yeah but yeah, that's that show. That season, this this season two of Mandalorian. Ha- is Actually, we've not even talked about the last episode yet. Have we not? I don't think so because I think the last time we chatted, yeah, I don't think it had come out yet. Are you and sure? I know that Chris is. I don't know actually. I don't know either. Oh, no, yeah, because last time we talked about the the Disney. Wait, didn't we? We talked about the, the last. last yeah, the la- yeah, the last episode was the Disney one, and it hadn't come out yet. Fuck. Let's get into it. Okay, so last episode of Mandalorian. I mean, spoilers, but if you haven't seen it, then what the fuck are you doing? Um, so this is obviously the culmination of season two. Um, Grogu had been nabbed by uh, Moff Gideon. I was thinking Goff Midian, but um, <laughs> you know when your brain just switches to random, like the beginning letters, um, Moff Gideon. Um, and so he calls on all his old buddies that he's collected throughout the series including um Cara June 
um, is it Bo-Katan? Bo-Katan um, yeah. And then one of her two friends from the other episode. Don't know where the other one was. Uh, and they basically do this deal. They're like, you know, we'll get you Grogu if you give me the dark saber, um, which you know seems like a pretty cool sword. It's uh, not quite apart from, a light. Apart from yeah, apart from pure Vescar, which handily is what uh, Mando's armor is made of, and that's okay. Cool. That turned up, <laughs> and that big staff that he he got from uh, Ahsoka. Um, I mean, this episode was good. You know, it it sort of brings together the characters that you enjoy. Um, I feel like. Because you don't see a lot of Mando's face, apart from the last couple of episodes, um, it's quite tough to know like how he's reacting to things. Um, yeah. He's also his voice is also quite kind of monotonous, um, and obviously Grogu, you know, is a puppet, so you know there's only so much you could do to explore kind of expressions. But um, <coughs> I think the show is a lot stronger when there's other characters. Um, which maybe doesn't say too much about Mandalore, Mando himself, but in terms of the show, I think it's certainly a lot stronger when he's got other characters to base off of. Um, but but yeah, obviously then they 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 board Moff Gideon's ship, uh, kill a load of stormtroopers and uh, the the Terminators. Um, what are they called? Dark, Dark troopers. Dark troopers. Yeah. And then the, uh, you know, they, uh, Mando fights Moff Gideon for the dark saber, uh, wins it, um, and then tries to give it to Bo-Katan, but she can't accept it because it has to be won. Um, I did think that that would cause a bit more conflict between them than it has. Yeah, I'm imagining that next season it will. I oh. thought she was going to, like, sell them out, because there's a point yeah. where Moff goes, oh, are you going to tell him or shall I or something like that? And and I was like, oh my god, this she's going to be a traitor. And um, can I say, um, I've heard that apparently this um, you have to win it in combat isn't canon. Apparently, oh, really? apparently, in Star Wars Rebels, um, I think Bo-Katan's sister, I think Sabine, wins it in battle and then gifts it to Bo-Katan and says, oh. yeah, have it, have it. So I don't know. I could be wrong though, because I'm I'm hearing this. This is a secondhand source. I've heard it from someone who said it on a YouTube video. I don't actually know if this is true or not. It'd be a strange inconsistency, particularly if Dave Filoni is involved in both shows. Yeah. But yeah. and then in, in the in the moment, I liked that little that little twist because obviously we didn't know that at the time that you had to win it in combat. And then we see on the uh, monitor, uh, well, you sort of can tell by Grogu's face that. There might be a Jedi presence nearby. And then uh, evoking the end of Rogue One, uh, you know, a Jedi absolutely murks all of the droids. Yeah. And uh, yeah, turns out to be Luke Skywalker. Can I say, yeah, I literally, I screamed when he took took off his head. I literally screamed. I said, no fucking way. Is that that Luke Skywalker? I honestly did not see that coming until it was literally only like one second before he took off his head. I was like, oh shit, that's Luke. And it's only because he had the glove on his hand. I was like, oh crap, that has to be Luke. 
And I was just like, <laughs> I thought it'd be anybody else. Like, I thought it was this character called Ezra that people have been talking about. I thought it could have been anybody. I just didn't think, I just didn't think it would be him. Um, I don't know. It just took, took me completely off guard. Yeah, I think I feel like that's one of the first oh shit moments from Mandalorian. Yep. All the best series have them. You know, we've talked about House of Cards and Game of Thrones ones to death, but this was, you know, evoking, like we said, the end of Rogue One. So he's sort of mimicking Darth Vader in that sense. Um, that, was, that, was a, that was a great fight scene. Yeah, it was sick. Um, although I must admit, I mean, I thought it was Luke purely not realizing now I've started rewatching the Star Wars series that Jedi can have. I thought each Jedi had a different color, yeah, but that's not true because in Attack of the Clones, pretty much everyone has a blue or a green lightsaber, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so that was my kind of ignorance, I guess. But I thought Luke always had green, um, you know, Mace Windu purple, all of that sort of thing. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was still. I was still sort of like, no, there's no, there's no way they're going to tie into that. Because I've said, you know, the last few weeks, it's, this show's got better when it's tied into the Skywalker saga, but it's also an indictment on it, showing that you can't really, you can't escape the Skywalker saga. And, you know, if you do, you will eventually be drawn back to it because otherwise it's not as good on its own. And this is literally, you, you cannot get more perfect embodiment of that by the fact that, Luke Skywalker is the Jedi that takes Grogu. So you're not wrong. So, like, do we do we think that uh, Grogu is now dead because he was killed by um, Kylo Ren? Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> That's so funny. It seems a bit of a anticlimax to that character, but yeah. I think there's only so much you can do with a little puppet, can't you? That I agree. I think we talked do. about this earlier. Yeah, we said like. How many seasons can this go with just him and Grogu doing their thing? I think we, we a few episodes ago we did talk about it, um, and I'm kind of I am actually quite glad that this is how they've bookended this thing. Like, uh, will we see Grogu again? I don't know, but if we didn't see him again, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I mean, the only um, way you would see him again is if you saw the training camp, which yeah, I, I don't think would be particularly interesting as a series. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those nice kind of moments where, you know, one for the fans, get a DH Luke Skywalker back. Um, Mark Hamill actually played him, uh, which seems like one of those things, like, do you really need him to? But you know, maybe it makes the de-aging easier. Um, and then, yes, then there's also the post credit scene where Boba Fett um, goes to Jabba's palace, I think it is. And, yeah, Jabba's palace, yeah. Um, ascends the throne um, which from what I could gather he's sort of going to become a bit of like a anti-hero or villain <laughs> well yeah because like in the in the it's, it's so weird because I literally had watched Return of the Jedi the day before I watched The Mandalorian so like that scene played that they played right at the end was straight from after Return of the Jedi um, and yeah he takes over this place and we know I think they, they say that Jabba the Hutt is basically like a gangster and a dealer. So the assumption now is that Boba Fett's going to become a gangster and a dealer now as well. Yeah. Um, what that? I don't really get this to be honest with you. I don't really understand. I don't really understand the motivation for him to for him to be this for him to 
become the new Jabba the Hutt, essentially. Like, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it because, you know, well, mm, kind of looking forward to it. But the yeah, I'm just, Fett. yeah, I'm just a bit curious as to what's actually going to take place in this series. And I like the woman who put Fennec with Ming-Na Wen. I like her a lot. So I'm looking forward to seeing the two, the two cats interact. I think that would be, that'd be cool. But uh, Does Boba have anything to do with Jabba the Hutt in the series? In the film? Yeah. He works for him. Oh, uh, okay. He, he brings Han Solo to, to Jabba because you know, Han Solo is Jabba money. And I think he's essentially basically like um, Jabba the Hutt's bodyguard pretty much for all intents and purposes. Oh, okay. You can tell I haven't quite got to the original yeah, yeah. trilogy yet. <laughs> uh, just finished Attack of the Clones and I didn't realise, well, again, I didn't realise all of the clones were from Jango Fett. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, obviously, I haven't, uh, I haven't watched the Clone Wars fully yet, so I don't really know what transition is. But do the do the this would go off the Star Wars tangent, but I don't mind. Do the um, do the clones become stormtroopers? Yeah, so I was reading about this because I was like, are stormtroopers clones? Um, and according to the Wikipedia articles I was reading, the Clone Wars only lasted like three years, I think, and okay. they're over with by the return of the. Sith, aren't they? Revenge of the Jedi. Sorry. No, sorry, oh, no, Re- Revenge. Sorry, Revenge Sith. Sith. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes so, sense. So yeah, the Clone Wars has ended by that point, and I think it was saying that. But in sorry, 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 in Revenge of the Sith. Oh no, okay, yeah. Sorry, got you. Continue. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, so it said that the Clone Wars show basically explores that. Yeah, all of the clones end up being destroyed, and then the stormtroopers are replaced with human volunteers or <laughs> slaves, so, essentially. I guess. Have you seen Revenge of the Sith? I was supposed you have seen this, so it doesn't really, so it doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, I but, have, but yeah, not recently. So when in, I mean, not to spoil it for you, but you've seen it already, so in all, when, when the clone, um, when the stormtroopers or whatever the fuck they are now, all turn on the Jedi in episode three, so are those real people? Oh, is that what we're saying? I think they're clones, aren't they? Because that's oh, the Order 66 thing. Well, I thought... Oh yeah, sorry, hang on. The Clone Wars hasn't is, is ending... During Revenge oh, of the Sith. Ending, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, because that's the Order sixty six thing, isn't it? It's when it turns yeah. on, they turn on the Jedi, and then yeah. all the Jedi die. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, Mandalorian, great. Yes, and I Definitely. think we have established now that um, the Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian season three are going to be two separate things, aren't they? Yes, probably releasing at similar times as well. Yeah, I like, think. If you uh, if you were to oh, map ahead, this out in the timeline, you'd have like obviously the Skywalker saga, and then you'd have the Mandalorian between um, uh, six and seven. Yeah. And then, but within that time period, you would just have like everything else that they're releasing. It's always yeah. like set within the timeline of Mandalorian. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not that big a timeline. It's not, is it? It's only, well, I suppose it's like, what, 20 years? 30 years? No, because the Mandalorian set. 20 years oh, old. Oh, yes. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> so it's only like 10, max. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, hey-ho. Again, oh, yeah, for it. lack it of imagination to me. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. I think that, to me, the only one was that um, the Acolyte is going to be set like how many years before, isn't it? That's the only one that's going to be before it. And to be fair, um, the Cassian Andor series is going to be between episode four, three and four, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I know, I get, I get what you're saying. Um, yes, that was definitely on my list. Um, 
as would the Queen's Gambit. Um, oh yeah, good shot. Good shot. Again, that was probably a surprising one because mm. initially I had the same attitude as Chris and like, oh, it's going to be about chess and it's going to be boring. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, you know, credit to the writers, um, Anya Taylor-Joy as Beth Harmon, you know, making a traditionally dull game. Well, not dull. I mean, it's just not the most exciting to film. It was like thrilling, yeah. Um, but they managed to do it well. They made it about addiction um, and, yeah, just strong performances. And, you know, yeah. So very surprised, pleasantly surprised by um, Queen's Gambit. Um, That's a good job. And I know you don't watch it, but um, Ozark Season 3 came out this year. Which I really want to get into Ozark, man, but I just can't. It's so sick. Oh, I don't know what it is about it. It did take me a couple of attempts to watch it, but um, I mean, I think I've said to you before, if you're not invested by like halfway through season one, then you probably won't be. But mm. following, you know, that family, um, I can't remember, the, I was going to call them the Bloofs, but that's more, um, Rest of Development. Um, I don't know what they're called. Bird, the Bird family. Uh, yeah, he's sort of, he's like an everyman, gets caught up he, he basically um is an accountant and launders money for like a drug cartel from mexico and then sort of charts i guess in a similar ish vein to breaking bad he sort of like tries to escape and then he gets more and more involved and like yeah just starts doing these like shady shit and and inevitably you know there's pressure coming from uh the more he earns the more he has to earn do you know what i mean um, yeah. So, yeah. To me, it's really thrilling, and and the the season three ended on a pretty good oh shit moment. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, death of a relatively major character. So yeah, I'm looking forward I'll to season another four. Try. Yeah. yeah. I might get another try next year. Going back to uh, Star Wars, I swear it's so funny. Like you've done a complete 180 on it, haven't you? Um, yeah. I have. I, when I lent you the DVDs, how long did it take you to? I didn't even watch them. <laughs> I didn't even watch them. <laughs> but to be fair, okay, so right. I've, I've done it. I've done it as well because I, I, I mean, I'd seen them, but it was just sort of like I was never that invested. But yeah. now with the Mandalorian, it's definitely helped me be like, oh, I really want to rewatch and understand more about what it was all about. But um, the thing is, with with Star Wars for me, yeah, so to interrupt you, it's just like. I don't love the films, but I'm just so interested in them. Does that make sense? Yeah, in like the whole lore and mythology yeah, that's yeah. been created. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's weird because I, I love MCU films. Like I love the MCU, and I'm invested in the story. With this one, I'm just invested in the story. Like, like the films themselves aren't the greatest. You know what I mean? But I like them. But I'm not like in like in love with them. Like if someone said to me. Um, Someone, if an alien come down from Earth and said, "Oh yeah, which film franchise should you watch?" I probably Star Wars wouldn't be my first recommendation, or second, probably, or third. But I just like, <laughs> but I just like what's going on, and I find I, I think I I more enjoy people talk, listening to people talk about Star Wars and all the like little intricacies and what's going on. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, and the first like Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones suffer from really really weak villains. Um. Yeah. Who even is the villain in? Uh... Phantom Menace. Darth Maul. Darth Maul, yeah. And he he gets like is like twice and then has a fight. Yeah. I think and that's more I think the actor 
or the person who played him wasn't an actor. He was just a stunt. He was a stunt man. So I think they didn't. They purposely, purposefully give him loads of material. Yeah, fair enough. The second one, yeah. Who was the second one? Dooku, wasn't it? Count Dooku. Yeah. Yeah, that was that whole film. Yeah, that film was <laughs> fucking rubbish. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Like when people talk about the prequels being bad. Like for me, that is bad. Like one and three, I think you can live with. Number two, ooh, that is yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I'm gonna sort of be a bit cheeky but 2020 you can allow it my favorite piece of content this year by munich 8 barcelona 2 <laughs> you're such a joker <laughs> that is you're cheating <laughs> i'm not it was a piece of content you know that whole champions league little mini tournament thing they did yeah. inspired inspired right. is that the world cup you know we it was like so long without kind of decent football, and then uh, you know, then you go and have yeah, uh, watching Kike Setien getting slapped up. It was like watching Germany Brazil. Mm. I don't know. I was just very happy during those couple of weeks. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Can't knock it. Um, I just wanted to say, um, friend of the pod, Julia. I um asked on Twitter. Anybody wanted to contribute to our, you know, like favorite pieces of content in 2020? Mm. Uh, and Julia responded. So she said, in terms of TV, um, so we can't ignore Shits Creek sweeping all the Emmys. Um, and Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, which she says is brilliant. So I enjoy, and I think we both enjoy I May Destroy You a lot. I've never seen Shits Creek, but I've heard a lot about it. That, like, that's really good. I have tried to start watching that on. Two occasions, mm. and it is was not for me. Okay, um, what's the what's the what's the theme? What's the genre? What's the? Uh, so it's like a sitcom. Um, it's got Sean Levy, no Eugene Levy. Um, okay, who's, you will recognise from American Pie. Um, yeah, yes, uh, and his real life son is in it as well. Essentially, okay. they're like a. It starts off they're a well-to-do family. Um, Mum, dad, like older boy and older like the the kids are not kids; they're kind of adults, but you know, act like they're children. Um, yeah. And basically, the first episode, the house gets repossessed, um, and then they have to move basically into a motel. Um, and I think it's about them trying to rebuild their life um, from that way. But to me, the humour just wasn't. It, it wasn't funny in to me, um, and I couldn't even get through the first episode. So, on two occasions. So, yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of very good reviews. Um, I don't know if it, if the humour changes, but it was not for me. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I've heard so much about this, but it, I've only seen like the. Uh the poster for, I don't know if you'd call it a poster but a picture of it and from that I was just like meh I've never seen the trailer I've never seen <laughs> for the poster <laughs> do you know what I mean because obviously uh, if I see a uh, poster and there's something cool going on like, okay maybe yeah. or yeah. if there's an actor that I particularly enjoy in there then I'll be like okay maybe but you tend yeah, to quite good with American kind of sitcom humour though like yeah that's true you know, new girl those sorts of things I mean I, there isn't one that I can say it's humorous like this oh, okay I was going to say I, you know, I haven't ever really got into It's Always Sunny, and I never got into Big Bang Theory or though, you know, 
Um, Brooklyn Nine Nine is the exception, but yeah. generally that's not really my bag. So maybe that's why I wasn't hot on it. But. What's it on? Do you know what like platform it's on? It's on Netflix. I'm pretty sure. It's on Netflix. Okay, I might I might try and give it a go then sometime soon. Because um, Julia's good with the content. So she said, as a bonus, she adored Mindy Kaling's Never Have I Ever. Have you seen that? Because I have. No, I haven't. So that's a series on Netflix about um, a young Indian, I think she's going to say Indian, she might be Pakistani. Apologies if I got that wrong. I'll just say Asian. A young Asian-American girl um, growing up some town in America, basically, and having to deal with um, the... The death of her, basically, she, her father died. She was really close with her dad. Her dad died. That gave her some, basically, some weird condition that made her paralyzed from the waist down. Um, so she spent the whole year being a bit of an outcast because she was the girl who became paralyzed after her dad died, etc., etc. Um, so then she recovers from that and she has to basically go back to school with her friends who are, they're kind of like, their friends, her and her friends are kind of like losers, sort of, and trying to like create a whole new image. I see it as kind of like, it gives me kind of like an American Pie sort of vibe. Um, this group of loserish friends who are trying to, you know, get boyfriends and get laid and whatnot, whatnot. That's basically the whole the gist of it. Um, and the lead actress in it is quite charming, to be fair. I uh, can't remember her name, so apologies for that. Um, and it's like I think it's eight episodes or ten episodes. I think it's half an hour per episode, so it's a quick binge. Um, and yeah, it's basically her going through the struggles of her teenage life, um, trying to get a boyfriend, stuff like that, and contrasted with her mom at home, who's very, like, traditional, strict um, Asian family, and her mom wants her to conform to traditional Asian values, and she doesn't want to do that because, obviously, she's grown up in America. She's, by her, by her, by her standards, she's American, so she wants to be, basically, be a bit more wild than what her mom will allow her, and her mom, her and her mom, like, um, clash quite often um, and then she's got this cousin who's like everyone thinks is really beautiful and so she's jealous of her cousin and yeah little, little things like that um, okay. it's a decent series it's a decent series I watched it so long ago I didn't even think it'd come out this year um, <laughs> um, I, think, I think I binged it in like one afternoon to be fair oh okay that's quite, um, a, that's quite a recommendation yeah not because it was like really really good but it's just, it's, it's just easy it was just really easy to watch um and I find shows like that, but that, that half an hour format really, really does make it easy to watch. I think we've said this loads of times before, but like, I'd rather watch six 30-minute episodes than three hour-long episodes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. But, um... So you do need that um, antidote, mm. even if, you know, because, you know, sometimes you watch something that's quite heavy or just quite long, and you just think, I'll just have a little little break, like a little Modern Family episode or a little... No, never have I ever. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, um, if you look for yeah, like if you look for a little quick, quick binge on Netflix, I'll say give that a go. Um, if you don't like it after the first episode, you probably won't like the rest of it. Okay, so it's yeah, pretty consistent. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that one, that one's decent. Um, so Julia, what else did she say? She said so for films. She said Tenet was the only film she saw in the cinemas other than Parasite. It's funny how neither of us mentioned Parasite and that one in Oscar. Um, I thought that came out... I thought that came out last year. I oh. feel like I watched it this year. Oh, I could be wrong. It might have come out last year, actually. Let me check. Um, 
Um, and she said, yeah. And she said that, to be honest, she was underwhelmed by Tenet. Fair enough. So I get that. A lot, I think a lot of people have been of that. I think Tenet's, I wouldn't say it's Marma. I think more people like it than don't. But I think the people who don't like it all have similar issues with it. Um, namely, um, like sound mixing for a start. Um, the plot being a bit all over the shop. Um, in terms of like following what's going on um i don't know this isn't what julia said i'm just kind of going by what i've heard other people say um and yeah and so i get it um i think like a lot one person's um complaint was that he thinks that christopher Nolan just wanted to do just wanted to crash a plane and thought let me make a film around me crashing a plane because <laughs> that would be that would be fun that would be a fun thing to do um so yeah I think this, it's not a, a universally well-liked film like some of his other films, Dark Knight, Inception, etc. Mm. Um, yeah, obviously us two liked it, so... Yeah. yeah I think it was just too... A bit too ambitious for some people. Like, it was like Inception squared, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. A Parasite yeah. apparently came out in February in the UK, so... I would uh, this year? Yeah. So I definitely have that up there. Um, I think I liked it, but you know, but I suppose to be honest, because this year's been very, very uh, limiting, it probably would be up there for me as well. In fairness, mm. in a normal year, I don't think it would be up there for me, even though I did enjoy it. It's a good film. What else has Julia yeah. watched? That's all she's written, unfortunately. So, thank you, Julia, for your contribution. Yeah, thank you for getting involved. We'll have you Friend back on pod. soon enough. Yeah, definitely. So, looking forward then to 2021. Um, I mean. There's a if lot. Things go to plan. Things go to plan. I think. If, yeah, things go to plan. I mean, we know about a lot of a lot of it's basically sequels, essentially. Um, mm. Mission Impossible Seven, um, or if they're not sequels, then they're continuations of franchises such as The Eternals, yeah. Black Widow. Um, you got June, I guess, which yeah. I think is still coming out. Oh, cinema. did you hear about um, the, the the producers of June or the directors, they basically bullied HBO Max into um, saying, yeah, you've got to put this out in theatres and theatres only. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good on them. That's hilarious. I, mean. I guess you, you make these films for the cinema. If you if yeah. they knew it was going to go straight to HBO Max, they probably would have done it differently. Yeah, um, 100%. We have Death on the Nile. Apparently there's going to be a Jackass 4. Um, Candyman. Uh, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> sequel uh, Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. The cool. Suicide Squad. Look forward to that. Um, Space Jam: A New Legacy. Mm. Um, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Venom Two. I'm quite looking forward to seeing more. Mor- is Morbius coming out next year? Yeah. Quite looking forward to seeing Morbius. Um, not because I think it'll be any good. I just think it'll be interesting. You know, and I do like having like, I like having this. Uh, this um, extra bit of superhero-ish or like, comic content that's not strictly MCU and strictly DCEU, you know? Mm. The Sony-verse. The Sony-verse, yeah. The Spider-verse, I don't know what they're going to call it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fast 9. Uh, that'll be mental. Uh, Free Guy, which is uh, Ryan Reynolds playing... Basically, a non-playable character in a video game, and I think he becomes sentient or something. So that might be quite funny. Ryan I Reynolds feel is... like 
sorry to interrupt you. I feel like that film is either going to be really good or really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not very... Um, I don't know. I feel like it'd be like, you know how kind of like Deadpool took people by surprise and people really, really liked it, like word of mouth, that sort of thing. I feel yeah. like it'd be like that or it's just going to be trash. <laughs> so. I feel like it might be one of those films where when you watch it once, you're like, that was really funny. And then you rewatch it and you're like, nah, it's not oh, funny. Yeah. Yeah, so I, like, I, I started rewatching um, The Night Before, which is the Seth Rogen, um, Anthony Mackie and Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of Christmas stoner comedy film that came out I've seen, I've seen that, a few yeah. years ago. I remember like laughing out loud loads in the cinema and then I started rewatching it and I was like, this ain't that funny. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Seth Rogen's quite like that. It's like, you'll watch his film once and you're like, that was funny. And then you rewatch it and you're like, uh, he's quite grating. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, his fi- I can't think of his film, a film of his that I can watch repeatedly. Mm. Yeah. Think. I'm just trying to think of one. I can't think of one. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, I, feel like, I feel like Ryan Reynolds is, is sort of in that category. Like, I don't know. If, I think I've rewatched Deadpool, but again, it's not as good as the first time. And I was never a big fan of Deadpool in the first place, in fairness. So I actually, I do want to rewatch those actually, just to see if I, if I like them, because I didn't really like either of them particularly. Much. Like they're they're okay films, but I wouldn't say I enjoyed myself. <laughs> I'd be really, I'd like to watch yeah. them again. I think you're right though, in the sense that Deadpool was the the best thing about it was like the shackles were off, and it was like we are gonna make you know, an R-rated superhero comedy. And they just tried to be as outrageous as possible. Like, the plot itself and some of the scenes and characters in it are really shit. Like, that teenage Negasonic Warhead and Colossus. Yeah. Like, they're terrible characters. And even the the final fight scene, um, all I remember is, like, loads of buildings being destroyed and he's trying to, like, save his girlfriend. Like... Mm. Like, all of that kind of, I guess the main stuff wasn't that great, but it was just, on first watch, quite funny, because it was rude, and, you know, stuff like that. But um, yeah. I think I'm going to be shameless, and if all the rumours are true, the thing that I'm looking forward to most next year is going to be it. Spider-Man. Say it. Oh, no, that's what I didn't kind of think he was going to say, that. Uh, fair enough. What did you think I was going to say? I think I was going to say um, Justice League. <laughs> Oh, fuck that. <laughs> That's my I'm most looking forward to. Zack Snyder's The Snyder Cut, Justice League. That's what I what, want to see. A film you've already seen. Just it's going to be a new order. film. <laughs> it's going to be a completely new experience. I hope. <laughs> no. What is, you're going to come out of that film and be like, it was basically the extended version of Endgame. I mean, I wouldn't mind that. I loved Endgame. Yeah, but... Not for the extra 30 seconds that we paid to rewatch. Oh, shit. Oh, that's what you mean. Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 like, no, oh, no, 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 no. And you're like, oh, my God, that's going to be <laughs> no, amazing. No, and it's an no. un-CGI Hulk. Like, that's completely, uh, that's completely <laughs> different. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the worst comparison. There's, they released seven extra minutes of footage. Like, the original Justice League was two hours. This is apparently going to be four hours long. That's two extra hours of whatever we're going to see. So... That's a lot of. That's a massive difference. It's gonna be a minute of extra footage, but in a different order, and then two hours of bloopers. Calling it right now, mate. Best film of 2021. Jeez. 
No, I'm joking. I'm lying. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward. What else am I looking forward to? What else are you looking forward to? Uh, it probably, I mean, the thing is, is a lot of these kind of independent or non-franchise films, it's quite hard to know whether you'll be looking forward to them because yeah. you might not necessarily know that much about them. Um, I mean, the James Bond film, I would watch. I don't know if I'm excited yeah. about it. Um, yeah. But I'm more looking forward to the how the MCU develops in terms of, you know, not that I'm necessarily looking forward to WandaVision itself, but how WandaVision leads on to the rest of it and how, you know, mm. uh, the MCU just expands in that way, like Shang-Chi introducing new characters, Eternals. Like, that's what I'm looking forward to. It's, it's more of like a concept of the MCU uh, progressing rather than, you know. I'm, I'm looking forward quite a lot to those films and I'm, I'm I'm wondering why we haven't gotten a trailer for either of them, either Shang Chi yeah. or something, because they were supposed to come out this year, were they not? I think. I think at least one of them was. So you'd think they was they got a trailer ready or something. But I'm thinking maybe maybe there's something in like Black Widow that spoils something in the trailer or something like that. I don't know. So maybe they're waiting for Black Widow to come out. I don't know. But that's but, leaving it quite late because I think Eternals yeah. is coming not that long after. Well, what they might do is you might get like. With the last episode of Wonder Vision, they might release the trailer for it or something, you know, and it'd be like, oh, the, if you've got Disney Plus, you get a first look. I don't know. Yeah. But yes, yeah, I can't imagine anything in Black Widow, which is set before Infinity War, is going to, you know, ruin. Is it definitely set before Infinity War? I feel like it is. I thought maybe it was set in those five years in between, but I could be completely wrong. Yeah, you might be right. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I mean, there's a Quiet Place Part Two. I'm interested to see where they go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a quieter place, if you will. Um, yeah. Um, hello. Uh, I was sort of looking forward to Candyman, um, just because of you know, Get Out was good. Us was okay. Um, yeah. Jordan Peele producing this. Um, yeah. This I'm gonna it. watch, but I feel like I'm not gonna like it because it looks <laughs> really scary. <laughs> and then Nia DaCosta is gonna be doing um, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel too, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how, yeah, how she does on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I, God even knows what's coming out TV wise next year. Um, yeah. Line of Duty season six. Oh, I like Line of Duty. I don't know how far you ever got through it, but uh, still on season two. <laughs> Fair enough. Not enough teen angst. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? I need a bit of, bit of teen drama. <laughs> um, what am I... So to add on to... So yeah, pretty much everything you said, I am forward to... It's also Judas and the Black Messiah, which is about the... A film about the assassination of Fred Hampton, who was the one of the leaders of the Black Panthers in America. Um, that's starring Daniel Kaluuya. So curious to see that, because I like him as an actor mm-hmm. um, other than that compared to everything you just said uh, there's a couple of things here which I'm vaguely interested in but nothing that I'm super looking forward to like the King's Man oh yeah I'll, I'll go see but I'm not like you know I could I could have done without the film do you know what I mean like, I feel like we all could have <laughs> um, Morbius like I said a second ago quite looking forward to seeing the James Bond film um, even though I've only watched Casino Royale but I plan on watching the rest of them 
there's a film coming out on Amazon Prime. I think it's called One Night in Miami by Regina King, I believe. Um, and it's about uh, a night which was shared between, I think it's based on a true story, maybe, a night which was shared between Muhammad Ali, uh, Malcolm X, uh, Sam Cooke, and somebody else, I can't remember. But um, okay. it's got really good reviews, and the trailer looks interesting, so I'm quite looking forward to watching that. Pretty sure it comes out in a few days, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, and yeah, other than that, obviously, all the MCU shit, you know, Fast Furious think- 9, that's going to be nuts, but yeah. I think Edgar Wright's got a film coming out next year. Something about One Night in Soho or something, which I don't oh. know anything about, but yeah. it's Edgar Wright, so I look forward to that. Anya Taylor-Joy is in that one, I believe. Um, she's always good, so yeah, look forward to that as well. So yeah, I think we've got, if anything goes to plan, we've got a very, I think a very, and June, I actually really want to see June because I think it just looks, cinematically, I think it looks really, really cool. Mm. And I'm a bit annoyed that it's been pushed back so far because it was supposed to come out this year. Um, so yeah, in an ideal world, um, and the Suicide Squad as well, I'm quite looking forward to that. Um, if nothing else is, God forbid, if COVID goes away or something comes under control, then we'll, we'll have a lot to see. Because this year, I was trying to see hundred films this year in the cinema, and I got to about twelve before <laughs> the fucking cinema was closed down. So I was very angry about that. But I reckon this next year, I reckon. I could with all the shit that's coming that should be coming out. I reckon I can get to hundred. Okay, that's a good challenge. Well, we can check in and see what's how that's all going. Um, there's not an awful lot of content for us to talk about between now and you know early January, but I'm sure we'll think of something. Like you said, if if uh, One Night in Miami comes out, um, and there was something else we said we might add to our watch list, but I can't remember. Uh... I have no idea. But anyway, Chris is to... Black Bottom, that was it. That's the one, yep. So yeah, Chris is supposed to be giving us um, mm. shit to watch, so. Anyway, yes, so thanks to Julia for tweeting in. Um, if you want to tweet in, let us know what you are looking forward to next year, uh, what you've enjoyed content-wise this year, um, whether it was the Europa League final. Uh, or you know, <laughs> Queen's Gambit, anything, tweet us at YSC Podcast 17. We're also on um, Instagram, Spotify, uh, all that jazz under your average critics. May your 2021 be sexier than your 2020.